Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to pastor you this morning because we, we, we just went to the top of the mountain for three days. And, and Peter, James, and John went to the mountain with Jesus. And do you remember they saw the transfiguration of Jesus and they were so excited about what they'd seen. They said, we're going to build a temple right here and we're going to stay right here. That's what you want to do, right? Can we just stay? Can we just stay and you go, no, Jesus comes, comes back and says, no, 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 we got, we got business to take care of. We got kingdom. Now we're going to go back down the mountain and they walk right into a demon-possessed man. Kingdom work that had to be done. And so I want to pastor you back down the mountain because we have work to do. We've got kingdom work to do. I'm talking to you. No, you. No, you're thinking, no, it's somebody. No, it's you. I'm talking to you. We've got kingdom work to do in our community. Now, this is not, is this my church? Did y'all just go to spiritual renewal? No, we got kingdom work to do right here. So I wanted to take you and I'm going to pastor you today. I'm not preaching because I, I can't do Jimmy Rollins. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do Jimmy Rollins. I'm not as smart as Darius Daniels, though I do have swag. He said I was dripping. I don't even know what it means. I had to ask Torn Wells, is that good? He said I was dripping. And he goes, yeah, pastor, that's good. I said, okay. I just need to know if I was good because I'm dripping, y'all. Hey, by the way, that's a man with swag calling out another man that got swag. You know you got swag if a man with swag says you got swag. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I mean. Some of you around here, if you told me I had swag, I'd look back at you and say, that ain't a compliment. You ain't know what swag is. Wearing your camouflage up in church. No, I'm teasing. If you're wearing, if, if you're wearing your hunting jacket today, we're good with it. We love, we love hunters, don't we? Let's close in prayer right now because I'm getting in trouble right now. Father, forgive me. Let me, let me, let me take you to the book of John chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about an incredible woman. Listen, girls, I, I, I believe in you no matter what I'm going to say in the future. Okay, well, I'm, this, is, this is a crazy story. In fact, I want to just go ahead and take you there right now. Go to the book of John chapter 4. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples baptized. And that's important you realize that Jesus got a ministry. John had a ministry before Jesus, right? He's baptizing, repent, the kingdom is at hand. And now Jesus is getting followers and his ministry is increasing and John is decreasing. And Jesus knew that the Pharisees of the day who would eventually end up putting him to death, he knew that his time had not come yet and the Pharisees are hearing about it. And so they're going, whoa, 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 his ministry's outgrowing John's. And by the way, John had no problem with this. John would say, hey, his kingdom has to increase, mine has to decrease. He is the chosen one, he is the Messiah. And so uh, this is happening. So Jesus is going to leave because the Pharisees are hearing about him. And it says, he left Judea and departed again 
for Galilee, and he had passed through Samaria. Remember, if it's in the yellow, you're going to read it with me. Let's try it again. So he departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Let me help you with just a little bit of geography. Judea's in the south, Galilee's in the north. That'd be like New Iberia up here to Opelousas. And you have to go, he had to go through Samaria. Well, that's not exactly accurate. He had to go because there's actually were two main routes from Judea to Samaria. You could either go through Samaria, which was a three-day journey, or you could go around Samaria, which was a six-day journey. Jesus was going to go through Samaria, not because it was shorter. He had to go there because there was some business that he had to take care of, and we're about to read it. So he came to a town of, of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Does everybody look right here? Just remember, I love this. The Bible says that he was weary. It means he was tired. They've been walking, three-day journey, and he sits, sixth hour. When is that? Jewish time frame, a day begins at 6 a.m., a day ends at 6 p.m., or a day. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is the day. Sixth hour, can you figure it out? Noon. High noon. We're in the desert. Don't forget, we're in the desert. Israel is a desert. Guess what it is in the desert at noon? It is hot. And so Jesus is weary from the travel, and he sits by the well. And then a woman... Everybody say a woman. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Now watch this. This is important. Samaritan woman, stay away from me. Samaritan woman. How many of y'all remember that song? That's what's playing on right now. Okay, first of all, let's, okay, first of all, let's figure this out. First of all, teachers, rabbis, if you're Jew, you don't talk to women, period, in public. It, it doesn't matter where she's from. It doesn't matter if she's a Jewish woman. It doesn't matter if it's your mama, it's your wife, or your daughter. Rabbis, teachers of Jew, Jewish culture and tradition were forbid to talk to a woman in public. Only in private would you talk to your wife. You would never speak to her. There were some that even would take it to the next level, because that's what religion does, right? Religion takes it from one level and then adds another layer, another teaching on top of that that makes it even worse. There was actually rabbis during Jesus' time called the bruised rabbis or the bleeding rabbis. And because what they would do is when they see a woman, not only would they not talk to a woman, if they saw a woman coming their way, they would actually close their eyes and not look at them. And so that's how they got the name bruised or bleeding because they would run into things because they would not even see a woman. But she was not just a woman, she was a Samaritan woman. 
A Samaritan woman was a half-breed, half-Jew. The Samaritans ended up intermarrying with other ethnicities and began to water down the Jewish bloodline. So the Jews thought they were superior to Samaritans and they ostracized themselves from them. They wouldn't have any dealings with the Samaritan, wouldn't speak to a Samaritan. Most of the reason why the three-day journey was because rabbis and teachers would take the six-day journey instead of taking the three-day journey because they didn't want to go to the other side of the tracks. The division between. And so now Jesus had to go there because he wanted to teach us something. And so he goes there and, and he brings, in fact, here's, here's, what, what the, the here's how you know the, the division between the Samaritans and Jews. Back in Babylonian days, when Nebuchadnezzar came into Israel and captured the Jews and ransacked the temple, he took the smart, the intelligent, the influential, he took those who were educated, he took those Jews and took them away and didn't take any of the Samaritans. And when they came back in the book of Ezra to try to rebuild the temple, the Samaritans gave an olive branch to the Jews and said, hey, we're gonna come, we're, we're related. We're gonna come and we're gonna help you build the temple. And the Jews, because of their own superiority, said to the Samaritans, no thank you, you we are not going to allow you unclean to build the temple to God. And so Jesus stops and he begins to break down the walls of prejudice. He's showing us something. He's teaching us something. He's at Joseph's well, or Jacob's well, the land given to Joseph, so that when Joseph was in Egypt, when he saw the Exodus coming by the Spirit, gave directions concerning his bones, and that's where his bones are delivered. So he's right in the middle. He's in between Jerusalem, and he's in between where, where the, uh, um, Samaritans worship. He's at a well talking to a woman of Samaria. Y'all still tracking with me? I'm going to pastor you today. Just stay with me. She asked, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a woman of Samaria. You're a Jew. This is not normal. What's happening here? And watch what Jesus says. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? How many of you figuring out she not picking up what he's laying down? Sort of like you on most Sunday mornings, right? <laughs> you ain't always picking up what I'm laying down. She's thinking of physical. He's talking about spiritual. He's using a metaphor, an analogy. If you knew who I was, the living God, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you something you would never, ever, ever have to thirst again. And she, and she says, where do you get this living water? Oh, I like this girl. She's a little sassy. She probably's from Opelousas. If we watch this, she, she goes, I can see her cocking her head just a little bit. 
Are you greater than our father Jacob? In other words, who you think you are. He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up inside of him for eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. How many know she still ain't picking up what he's laying down? Hey, look at me right here. Can I just, can I pastor you for a second? I know you may think I'm pestering you, but I'm pastoring you. I've sat with the poor of the poor among us and I've sat with the rich of the rich among us. Everybody's thirsty. There is a hole in every one of our hearts that will never be filled by anything. You can try to fill it with things. You can try to fill it. There's not a meal that you've ever eaten. I mean, I've eaten some of the greatest meals of my life here in South Louisiana. We are spoiled rotten when it comes to food, by the way. Did you know that? How many of you take your Tonys with you when you travel? If you pack Tony's sashries in your suitcase, you in, baby. There is no meal that's three hours later, you ain't hungry again. There is no night of romance that is going to fulfill the hole that is in your heart. Look at me. There is no amount of money. Money cannot fill it. Fame cannot fill it. There is only one, and it's living water, and it comes from Jesus. He is the only one that can give your life meaning. And he's laying it down. He's trying. He's trying. And she's going, he's about to pivot on her, though. Watch Jesus. It all started with, give me a drink. <laughs> give me a drink. Yeah. Give you a drink. You're a Jew. I'm a woman from Samaria. What's going on here? If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. You think you're better than our father Jacob? Girl, I can give you something you'll never thirst again. Where is this water? And then Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come here. Hmm. Pivot. This is about to get spiritual. This, this is about going from the spirit and analogies using living water to the very place of her heart. He's going to say to her, why don't you go and get your husband and come here? And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband what you have said is true and let me help you right here because the new testament talks about this very thing that just happened and he said us believers who have the holy spirit living inside of us he said that the holy spirit has gifts for us as believers I list 12 of the gifts. He, he lists them. Gift of faith, which is where you have supernatural faith to believe something. God said it. I believe it. We're going to see it happen. You have faith. He said there's another one. Miracles. Miracles. Healing. 
that, that God would actually use us, you, me, me and you, to, to pray for somebody and they would be healed. Gifts of the Spirit. There's also one called discerning of spirits where you could walk into a room, meet somebody and go, they got a foul spirit. Something's not right with that person. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Girls are way more sensitive with this. Now, Heidi can walk into a room and go, see that woman right there? She got something on her. You stay away from her. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I was going to say something funny, but I'm editing in my head because I love Jesus and my wife. And if she re- hears this, she'll be mad at me. So you, one of them is a word of knowledge. This is a word of knowledge. All of a sudden, Jesus knows something about a woman that he should not know. Of course, we know he's God. But the power is that, that the Spirit can also fill us and give us information that we did not know. And we could say, hey, what about this? And then people, have you ever done that? You said, man, I sense this. And they go, oh my gosh, how did you know that? You go, I didn't know it. It just came. He has a word of knowledge that, woman, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. It's getting personal now, isn't it? I, I've seen you do it. I've done it to you. I've met a couple one time. Here's our son. Here's our daughter. I go, right. How long y'all been married? Let me tell you what Saint Landry, how St. Landry answers that question. Well, we've been together. When you hear we've been together, that means they're not married. Hey, let me help you. Can I pastor you for a second? Being together is not the same as being married. Let me say it again. Being together is not the same as being married. Being married means you stand with the other and you make a covenant with God, not even each other, God, then each other, that you will be you would be faithful to one another through rich, poor, sickness, health, till death do us part. And then the pastor lays hands on you and says, bless this in the name of Jesus. And all the families go, ah, let's go get some cake. That's a marriage. Are you tracking with me? Jesus goes straight to the heart. He goes straight to her heart, not to condemn her. Neither am I condemning you. He's going to go right to the heart and say, baby, listen, you've had five husbands. And the one that you're with now is not your husband. Watch this. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Charles Spurgeon said this, the English revivalist said, it would have been better for her to perceive that she was a sinner. Watch, she's going to pivot now. That's what we do. When God points out something in our heart, we like to pivot and kind of change the subject. Right? Right? And she, watch her. She's going to change the subject. Watch this. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Let me, let me, give, you, let me give, give context. She's, she she, pounces, she points to Mount Gerizim, and she says, we worship over here. 
the Samaritans went and built their own temple because they weren't allowed to go to the temple with the Jews. So they built their own. Then they took the first five books of the Bible, Moses' writings, and that was their Bible. They took out Solomon and the Proverbs. They took out David and the Psalms. They took out the prophets. They took out all the other and only have kept the five. Oh, we would never do that, would we? Only keep the parts that we like. And now they're worshiping on their mountain with a mixture of God and other superstitions from other ethnicity. They remind me of my grandmother. My grandmother was a Native American, and, and though she professed Christ, I believe she's in heaven with all my heart, but she mixed up the Native American superstitions and traditions. She would kind of mix them up sometimes, and she would go, you know, just like the Lord says, take a, mother, a lock of your mother's hair and put it under your pillow. And I go, what? Grandma, that's not what the Bible says. Yeah, I believe it does. Can you read? No, but I believe it says that. No, no, you don't. She'd mix it up. And they were mixing it up. And so she'd go, well, y'all say that's where we ought to worship. We say that's where we ought to worship. What are you going to say about that? Watch what happens. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. That's true. He's standing right before her. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Oh, this is so good. It's no longer going to be inside of a place because the Holy Spirit, when you get born again, is now going to come live inside of you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is nothing but a building, y'all. It's just a building. You go, well, that's my church. No, it ain't the church. The people sitting in this room is your church. We are the church. God lives inside of us. Are, are you tracking with me? I don't want you to get wrapped up in this church, this church building. Does God visit us here? He visits us here. Now, when we all leave, he leaves. He's here because we're here. Now, are you tracking with me? He's, he's here. And he says, we'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What does that mean, in spirit and in truth? It means, it means this. It's real simple. It's not that complicated. It means that we, would, we, we are going to try to become aware of spiritual realities. I'm, I'm trying to help you. I don't think you realized, maybe you did, the spiritual reality of spiritual renewal. African-American pastors coming to sit in this house. One called me Friday. Pastor, would you help me? Well, how can I help you? I was there Monday night. Y'all don't sing the songs we sing. We've been singing the same old songs a long time. But I felt the presence of the Lord. Pastor, you got to help me. Dr. Darius did not preach like I preach. 
but I heard the voice of the Lord. And then I looked around the room, Pastor, and I saw people from every tribe and tongue, black and white, and it looked like heaven. And I, I was moved by the Holy Spirit. And I said, I gotta have this at my church. How do I get this at my church? I'll do whatever I have to do. I felt the presence of the Lord like I've never felt. I want that. That's what I want. I want the presence. I, I, how do you get that? And I said, well, pastor, we, gonna, we, got, we got long conversations to have. I want to get with you. So we're going to get together. We're going to schedule a meeting to get together. I don't want you to miss the spiritual reality. If you go, oh, it's just awesome, it's so good. No, no, it wasn't just awesome. It was the breaking down. It was as if we've been with a hammer trying to hit the wall of prejudice and poverty and pride in our community with a hammer. And it's as if God took a wrecking ball on one, three days and went boom and said, now it's open, get to work, get off the mountain. You gotta come down. Now you gotta go to work. Right, the section, y'all hearing me? I'm pastoring. You, it's, it's time to go to work. And it's what Jesus telling us. So spiritual reality, but you got to worship in truth too. Truth. What does that mean, worship in truth? It means honest. You just got to be real. That means you got to get the mask off. Then when you come to the church, I know you were cussing your kids in the parking lot, and then you walk in and you go, oh, bless the Lord, I'm good, God's good, God's good, God's good. you gotta be in the house of the Lord. No, no, you ain't being honest. Which one was the real you? I've talked to our young pastors who preach, and I said, love it, I got one problem with you. What, well, the sermon went good, the sermon was awesome. What, what, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't divide the word of God right? No, no, you divided the word of God right. Well, what happened? I said, the same man that's up there ain't the same man that's down here. That's the problem. It's not truthful. You're playing a part. You can't play a part. You gotta be honest. Here's what's crazy about it. We think we're gonna trick God. Listen, I don't care what your posture is, as long as it's honest. You may never lift your hands one day in your life, as long as it's honest. Am I talking to the right church? Watch this. He, he's saying, look, there's going to be a day. That day is now. And then I love this, when true worshipers will worship for the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is. What, next verse, because I, I, I was waiting for the yellow. <laughs> back verse let's see what verse 23 23 but the hour is coming is now is here when true worshipers worship the father in spirit true for the father is such people to worship him wait wait well i came to seek god maybe but maybe he came to seek you Oh, let me talk to the men for a second because I'm about to pick on the women here in a moment. We're so full of pride, men. Why? I'm going to sway a little bit. 
but I ain't really gonna worship because I would never declare my dependence upon God. I've challenged our men, one justice men. I'm so sick and tired of the women setting the temperature of the house, men. You ought to get up in that house and set the temperature of the house. Show women how to worship. Let's worship, man. We are dependent upon the Lord. And the women will follow. Watch this. It means not made up worship. Not made up, no, not, not made up emotion. Not made up emotion or pretense. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And watch this, watch this. And then the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. They believed in a Messiah coming too, just like the Jews did. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says to her, I am speaking to you. I who speak to you. Jesus goes to the other side of the tracks to a woman, a Samaritan woman who has been divorced five times and now is shacking up with her boyfriend for Jesus to stop by to drop a major theological bomb on her. No, no, go to one of the Pharisees, man. He don't drop it in John 3. John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a man of influence. He, he's high up among the Pharisees, well-respected in all of Jerusalem. He comes to him at night and says, what must I do to receive eternal life? He said, you got to be born again. Yeah, how can that happen? I can't go back into the womb of my mother. That's impossible. He said, no, no, you're not picking up what I'm laying down. You're talking about earthly things. I'm talking about spiritual things. You got to be born again, born of the spirit. The wind blows where it wishes. You don't see it. You got to, that's the only way you'll ever see and enter the kingdom of God. He didn't drop the eternal bomb on her, on him. He goes to a woman, a Samaritan woman to say, who's been married? And the one she's living with now is, well, we've been together. <laughs> then Jesus, just then his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman. Or why are you talking with her? But no one said that. They just thought it. So the woman, can we just stop there? Can you take that verse off real quick? Thank you. You know why she came at noon? Because all the women of the village came at six. Seven. Men can cut other men down. We can. We can ostracize other men. 
We're just not as good at it as you women are. You girls don't even have to say anything. Oh, y'all can slice and dice. All that nonverbal conversation that y'all can have. Girls, you girls are good. Oh, Heidi can roll her eyes. I can't even roll my eyes like she can roll her eyes. She can roll, she can do like a slot machine. You girls can do it. Men, men can't even do it. Our eyes don't, don't even function like that. But you girls, y'all can roll them. And then that little headcock thing that y'all do, y'all can, oh, here, mm-hmm, there she is. Got a little usher move you do with it. Yeah, to ostracize somebody. Most villages back in these days, and probably Sikar was probably no different. It was probably 100 to 200. Maybe a big city was like 300. That's way less. That's like, that's like, this section, you think they might have known her? Do you think the village might all know how many husbands she has had? Do you think the men of the village might know about her reputation? And if they forgot about her reputation, trust me, his wife reminded him of her reputation by saying, don't you ever let me catch you talking to that woman. Girls, don't get quiet on me. I love you. I love you. She got a reputation. And then she... She's going at noon because she's shameful. She doesn't want to have to deal with it because girls like to. If she went at six, no, she's going at noon. She don't want to deal with all that. She already knows. Jesus is not coming to condemn her by saying, the truth is, you've had five and the one you're with is now not. She, watch, watch her response. Watch this. They marveled, he was talking to the woman. So the woman left her water, her water jar, and went away into the town and said to the people, come, come, y'all gotta come, y'all gotta come, y'all gotta come, you gotta come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Okay, no, y'all are checking with me. Okay, what happened between Woman, you've been married five times and the one you're living with now is not your husband to come and see. Something had to happen in between there. You can't just point out to me all my sin and then me go tell people about my sin. She was walking with shame and now we see there is no shame in her game. No, no shame anymore. Something happened between woman, you've had five, and the one is now not, to that. What happened? Can I just read between the lines? 
I think she sat there and he said, woman, it's now not yours. The one you're living with is not your husband. Jesus just told in John 3, I didn't come into this world to condemn you. I came into this world to save you. She saw the love that he had. He only brought that up because he loved her and because he wanted to take it from her. He wanted to take the sin from her. He wanted to forgive her. Most theologians believe it was about a half a mile back to the city. So she's got a half a mile. I don't know how long it takes. How long does it take to run a mile? I, mean, I don't know. Uh, 10 minutes. So she, she's running. She's run. I, I think she, something's happening in between the jar, dropping the jar and getting to the city. I think she's going, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He's forgiving me. God has forgiven me. Oh my gosh, he's forgiven me. Oh my gosh, something's bubbling inside of me. Wait a minute. Hey, hey y'all, come and see. You're never gonna believe this. Somebody told me all that I ever did. Unbelievable. See, I don't think it's a testimony. I, you know, you can invite people to church. I think that's good. Hey, you know, we're having like spiritual no, and I was wondering like if you'd come. It starts at 6.30, it's gonna be really good. Right, you can do that. But what if you went, listen, God's doing something in me. Let me tell you something. Me and my, we're getting married next week. Because God put his finger on something and he loves me and he's forgiven us. But now we're gonna follow him and we're gonna do it right. We're gonna do it God's way. Man, I just love, why don't, why don't you come too? Or you just, man, let me just tell you what God's doing in my life. Man, I, I wanna tell you, he's radically changed our marriage. God's been working in our marriage and change because they're thirsty too. They're thirsty. And when you say, I've been drinking, and it starts bubbling out of you, everybody wants to get a drink of what you've been drinking. And his name is Jesus. Watch it. Okay, y'all stay with me. Who give me five more minutes? Five, 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 ten, fifteen. Nobody's, nobody raises your hand. Y'all been trained, haven't you? Hold on, I ain't giving you no more time. Watch this. Watch it. Thank you. Thank you, sister. You th think a brother would give me some time, but no, no brothers. Sisters. Maybe that's why Jesus and stopped and talked to a Samaritan woman. She's confessing her sin now. Do you think they know her sin? <laughs> They're all going, dear God. She's always hid from us. Now she's coming back to the very ones who ostracized her. She's coming to tell the good news. She's been touched and filled with the love of God. And now the love of God is coming out of her. You can't give what you ain't been filled up with, baby. 
Oh, so many levels he's breaking down, prejudice, stereotypes, breaking them all down in, in neutral ground between Gerizim and Jerusalem. He's sitting at a well and he waits. Watch what happens. She runs. She goes to tell them. Watch what. Meanwhile, the disciples, as they come back, there's Rabbi, eat. He said, I got food you know not about. The disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? They're still, they're so clueless. Jesus said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Did you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white with harvest now. Most theologians believe that when he said white for harvest, look at the field. Do you see what it was? Was the villagers from the city were all running through the fields wearing white because that's what you wear in the desert so they're running through the fields coming to the well to see the man coming to the what the well did i already tell you all this the architect when we designed this building did i tell you that okay sometimes i mess up when i told one service and when we were designing this building the architect and we've got no i don't want that no, we can do that. No, I don't want that. And I had finally said, look, architect, look at me. We don't want to build a temple. We want to build a well. We, we want to build a well where people come and drink that are thirsty. And so when we designed the building, the concrete walls that are out there, I don't know if you like the concrete walls or not. They were designed to be painted. And once they put them up, I said, don't paint them. The architect said, no, no, we have to paint them. I said, no, you don't. No, I mean, we, we need to paint them because that's the way I designed it. I said, do not paint the walls. <sighs> Why not? They, I mean, there's blemishes on the walls. And I said, there are blemishes on us. He goes, wait. If you, if you look at the floors, you probably never notice them. You walk over them now. But if you look at the floors, there's scratches all on the floor, deep cuts and scratches when they raised these concrete walls they scraped them across the floor and they said oh pastor eugene we're so sorry we're going to get our big buffers in here and our machines and we're going to buff out every one of those cracks in the wall we're so sorry we're going to give you the perfect the floors will be perfect when you're done i said we don't want perfect floors leave the scratches no no there's a scratch right here right in front of you where you're going to be sitting every single sunday you're going to see it every sunday and i said i want to see it every single sunday it reminds me that we've all got scars it reminds me that we're all works in progress and that God will come and talk to us no matter if we've been a woman who's been married five times and you're living with someone now who's not your husband he'll come and talk to you because he loves you because we all got scars he come we still all got cracks we all got blemishes that God's still working us all out if we'll listen to him and drink of this water he'll take your sin cast it in the sea of forgetfulness and remember it no more Jimmy Rollins called me like two days after. He goes, I still can't get over Tuesday night. I can't get over it. He said, I never felt anything like it before. I, don't, I, don't, I can't even explain it. I, I just felt the presence of God in the place. I don't, he said, the only way I can describe it, he said, it felt like I was in a well. I said, you were my brother. You were the man at the well. Look at me. The harvest is ripe. Pastor Jim LaFoon, our prophet, just called 
our last pastor's meeting, we were all together just a week or so ago, right before spiritual renewal, and said, God showed him something. And y'all know Pastor Jim, when he calls, you listen. And he began to prophesy. And he said, I saw you men with hammers in your hand, repairing. It's time to put the hammers down and to pick up the sickle because harvest is ripe. Okay, look at me. That's the work you need to be doing. You can't stay on the mountain of spiritual renewal. You now have to run down and you have to go and you have to say, come, let me tell you, I met someone and what he's been doing in my life. Come and see, come and see. Where's he at? He's at the well. Let's run to the well. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? You don't have to be perfect to give your testimony. She got convicted of conscience and had about a six minute run. (laughs) And said, come and see. We got a job to do. We have a community that's thirsty. And we got to do our job. I can't preach better, I don't think. I guess I could. It's not preaching, it's not get better worship people. No, no. We've been, we've been worse at worship before, haven't we? Yeah. We've gotten better over the years, right? I've gotten better over the years, haven't I? Okay, thank you, Victor. You better say that. Or you're fired. Uh, this and this didn't grow the church. What grew the church was that the people inside of the church had stuff bubbling up out of them. You made one of our Catholic churches. How do I know that? Because I have an eyewitness. Because I know here at our church, we have people, I call them double dippers. They still go to the Catholic church, but they come here. They, they double dip. And I'm cool with that. I'm like, cool. Double dip, that's great. You're covered, both sides. I mean, you're, you're really going to heaven. And said, one time, one of the parishioners came in and said, Pastor you, you made the sermon. I said, what do you mean I made the sermon? He goes, well, our church made the sermon. I said, where were you at? And he named the church, Catholic church. And I said, really? Well, what happened? He said, well, he was saying, that church. Y'all know that church? That church is in our community, new church, growing really, really fast. And he said, you know what? They have that we don't have. Enthusiasm. Let me translate. They drank and it started bubbling up and it was coming out of them. And wherever they went, they couldn't help but go, just let me tell you what, they would pivot. Hey, how you doing? Give me a drink of water. How's it going? Hey, I got to tell you, something happened to me. What happened to you? Let me tell you. And people started coming because they saw the difference in the people. Not the preacher got better. They saw it in you. This is that time to get the sickle. 
I've been inviting people to church. No, 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 see, that's one way to do it, but then, then that's sweet. But there's another way when you go, my testimony of what God is doing in my life. I'm just trying to pastor you. This is that moment. I don't want you to miss Dr. Darius when he said this, because he said it before, but he said, he's talking about, remember talking about the exceptions? Exceptional exceptions. Here's an African-American pastor who preaches to primarily an African-American church who wants this. And he said, this is the exception. Do not take this for granted. I want you to lift your eyes up and see that God is doing something and you are a part of it. God is using you to break down stereotypes. Men, women, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, black, white, rich, poor, tearing it down. Jesus is at the well in the middle saying, I'm in the middle here. Come, all of you. There's going to be a day where that mountain or that mountain, that we'll be worshiping either one of them. Are you hearing me? This is that day. Holy Spirit, would you come? Fill us fresh and new. May we become, our eyes be open to the spiritual reality in the very day and hour in which we are. This is that moment. So I ask for the anointing of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to fill us fresh and anew. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Lord, would you fill me fresh and anew today? Fill me, just ask it. Fill me, Lord. Would you fill me, Lord? Fill me fresh and anew today, Lord that I would use my voice, the testimony of a man or a woman who's been touched by God, forgiven of every sin I've ever done. I used to pop it, smoke it, chase it, drink it. Lord, thank you for forgiving me and wiping that clean. Now it's just part of my testimony. There's no more shame in my game because I've been forgiven by the blood of the lamb. You've taken all my sin, washed it away, thrown it in the sea of forgetfulness to remember no more. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am holy because of what Jesus has done, not because of my work, but because of his work. I will walk in that knowing that I'm a man or a woman of God used and ready as a vessel at this very hour. So Father, we lay down our hammers. Tell him, Lord, I'm laying down my hammer and I'm picking up my sickle. I'm gonna reach down and pick up your sickle. You are ready for harvest. The harvest is now. Would you use them? Give them divine opportunities to pivot conversations, to go back to the Lord Jesus, to give the testimony of the goodness of God in our life. People are thirsty in our streets. They're hungry in our streets. They're trying to fill it up with everything else but you. Father, would you use this congregation as an instrument, a vessel in your hand of living water to share the truth that they can come to the well to receive what they need, what they're desperate for, to fill the hole that's in their heart with the only one who can, and his name is Jesus. So we bless your name. We praise you today. We give you glory and honor. This is that day. This is that hour. Father, may we eyes be open to the spiritual reality of where we are right now for such a time as this. Come fill us fresh and new. We need power from on high. We need your Holy Spirit. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Would you come? 
Father, even the ones that we thought we were going to talk to, we shied away from. Will we go now with boldness and confidence, spreading your good word? Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's give him all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Look at me. I know, I know our times. Look at me. Jesus would go on to say, the harvest is right. Four more months of harvest. Look, there's going to be a day where one's going to sow and another's going to reap. You got to listen real quick. Just give me two minutes. Just, just, just wait a second. He said, there's going to be a day you're going to sow and reap. The sower and the reaper will both rejoice together. What does that mean? I, I got a letter about two years into the church. Hey, from a pastor, I'm about to expose you and all your tactics. You are stealing people from other people's churches. Our church was growing really fast. I didn't know who was from where, right? I, I had no idea. I was like, hi, how are you? What's your name? You know, hey, my name's Bill. And I didn't ask everybody at the door, are you coming from another church? Because if you are, you can't come. I, I don't, what do you do? And said, so I will expose. Well, long story, I met him for lunch. And he's mad. We're sitting across the table. And I said, before you say anything, I'd like to address something. And I just said, sir, you've been working in this field for 20 years, and I just got here. You were toiling ground in the heat of the day and planting seeds and watering seeds in this community with the word of God. I come in the last two years and are reaping. What's happening at our church is as much your work. In fact, it's more your work than anything that I've done. You did the hard work. I just came in at harvest time. So please know that what's happening there, God is going to give you the credit for and one day you're going to get a crown for all that you've done. Because I, I didn't plant the seeds and I didn't water the seeds and I didn't work the field. You did. You worked the field. I just happened to be coming in. And I hope, I hope, I hope and pray that I will continue to plow ground and plant more seeds. And then one day somebody's going to come along and is going to reap from that. And I will rejoice with them because that's the kingdom. The sower and the reaper both rejoice together because God is the water and gives the increase. Are y'all checking with me, church? That's the kingdom of God. So can we tear it all down? There's still some bricks up there. God took a wrecking ball to it, but there's still bricks up there. And we still got cleanup work to do by sharing our testimony with what God is doing. I just wanna see it. We're seeing it. So Father, every head bowed, eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, he's at the well. He's standing there. He's not condemning you. He doesn't condemn you. He condemns no one. He came on a rescue mission to save you. Save me from our sin. He only points that out to the woman because he loves her. He's not mad at her. He's there to forgive her and he's here to forgive you too. Maybe today he pointed out something by his Holy Spirit to you. You can ask God to forgive you right where you're sitting. In fact, today, if you'd like to get, be born again, 
If you'd like to enter into this faith relationship, just like the woman at the well, just like Nicodemus did in chapter three, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. This prayer won't save you, it's not magic. It's just a cry of your heart, but I'll lead you. Congregation, can we add our voice to theirs? Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin and my shame and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go and that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth and a relationship with the Father. So I praise you today and I'll follow you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God all the praise, all the glory.